0: Welcome, thank you for joining Patient No Longer, the latest strategic offering from NRC Health. After hearing for the need to share stories and collaboration of ideas among like-minded healthcare leaders and thinkers, we've developed this exclusive new video podcast. I'm Ryan Donahue, solutions expert for NRC Health and strategic advisor and faculty member for the Governance Institute. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I'm joined today by my colleague, Brian Wynn.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Brian Wynn, Vice President of NRC Health. We're certainly excited to have you with us. Now, Ryan and I know there's a sea of content out there, but we're confident that our unique approach, which is story filled and backed by data is going to appeal to you. We plan to shine a spotlight on our clients and partners that are bringing customer centric strategies to market. And we're going to roll up our sleeves a bit. We're going to take a look at the challenges they face, the strategies they put into execution, and of course the results of their efforts. We're going to of course have some fun along the way.
0: We're going to have some fun too, that's for certain. Uh, And as we unfold the Patient No Longer series, we're gonna start sharing stories initially that fall along a familiar path, and that's the journey of the healthcare consumer. Now, through our mission at NRC Health of human understanding, we constantly fight to put the consumer at the center of the healthcare journey. Unfortunately, in healthcare, they're sometimes on the outside looking in, oftentimes, and and we wanna make sure that they're the sun in the solar system of care and care delivery to the consumer. We know they come into healthcare with sky-high expectations, they want clarity, they don't want any confusion, they want confidence as they travel travel through their experiences. It's never just one experience, it's a bunch of them linked together. Consumers don't always know what they're up for. It can feel a lot like a maze sometimes. We wanna make sure that's a straight linear path. We're gonna try to nudge the industry along that vision as much as we can through patient no longer. So to that end, today we have a special guest. Uh, He's an inside man, if you will, and a healthcare marketer extraordinaire. I'm gonna use those words. Um, So it's a pleasure to have John Berg with us today. Thanks, Ryan.
2: Brian, it's great to be here. I'm glad to be a part of this uh, a new debut and offering at NRC
0: Health. That's right, a little bit of an experiment, but we know it's what uh, clients have asked for. And so uh, we're using our clients and what they need as a North Star. And I think they're really gonna benefit from hearing your story, John, as we think about you as sort of an inside man, healthcare marketer with plenty of experience, you know, being dropped into new situations, uh, having to deal with a brand that isn't always perfectly aligned or unified, I think a lot of people in healthcare uh, can certainly empathize with that situation and find themselves in that situation. And so today we want to talk about what you did as you're dropped into an organization. You know, you've got the mighty wheels of a healthcare rebrand churning along. They're not always including the consumer perspective. So do you try to slow that train down? How do you convince powerful internal stakeholders that they don't actually own the brand, that consumers own the brand. That is a radical idea to many. Um, How do you tie a concept like branding, which frankly in healthcare, uh, doesn't always have a good understanding of what it is, and it can seem squishy sometimes to healthcare leaders. So how do you tie a concept like branding to other bedrock concepts like quality and safety and the things that we hear about all the time in board meetings and strategic events? So I think it's such an interesting perspective that you have, you've had to be a little bit of a gunslinger in that process. I know you take on many titles. We'll actually cover a few of those. But we want to talk about John, not in the sense of reading your bio. Everyone has access to LinkedIn, right? Um, John was uh, kind enough to share with us some interesting facts. In his career, he started in LA as a copywriter. So I'm wondering why you didn't pen you know, Hollywood scripts now. But you eventually started writing for really illustrious products like shoelaces, candy bars, and water pumps. Uh, eventually, John arrived in healthcare and he has never left. And we're very grateful for that. Um, his work's been defined by building healthcare brands. You're going to hear that word brand a lot today. Brand, brand, brand. And John has such a unique perspective in the industry. It's taken him in this brand building journey that he's had from Michigan to Colorado to Florida. One of his successes is his wife, Chris. She's a patient listener, an astute advisor, and she's actually been in healthcare longer than John. So he's got someone at home to bounce ideas off of and she's worked in capacities that allow her to see healthcare from the ground floor, which is such an important perspective. John is now at UF Health. It's 10 hospitals in Florida. Uh, they've got a college of medicine that's a top 20 medical school. They're a leader in research, 4,000 clinical research studies out right now. So you've dropped it to a really interesting situation at UF Health. And if John's title could be something other than in marketing and what he's been as such an important role, it'd be brand road warrior slash evangelist. That's got a kind of an interesting visual to it. St- strategist, cheerleader, internal promoter, counselor, and even sign expert. I have a feeling we're gonna to get to signage at some point here. But John, as we think about this and the idea that you've come into an organization for intents and purposes, and whether it's your title or not, you're sort of the owner of the brand and not everybody knows that. And now you're in the middle of the situation. Talk to us a little bit from that perspective about what that's like to walk in those shoes.
2: Yeah, thanks Ryan. For First of all, that's a generous introduction. So I appreciate that. That's That was, that was awesome. Um, you know, I, I, we had the opportunity to come into Denver and into a health system that formed out of uh, a merger, which is a pretty common situation today in healthcare, where we had a, a regional Catholic system by a local community based healthcare system. And that merger had happened about three years before I got there. And they had made no progress over those three years moving towards a unified identity. And that was really something they wanted to do. Um, was how do we get to a unified identity? I think that the challenges in that situation was that there was just a lot of emotion. There was a lot of, um, uh, I would say, passion, but what that was built off of was often perceptions of what they were a part of sometimes. So, you know, when I got there was a chance to come in with fresh eyes, take a step back and kind of assess the situation, you know, kind of kind of do an audit of what's going on. And, you know, I think uh, as a part of the audit, one of the things we found, you know, is that while you're in the boardroom and you're talking about the system identity in the hospitals, everybody thinks about these, the the main identities that they have. And in this case, it was like two main identities. There was the Sisters of Charity of Leavenworth, and there was Exempla, which was a, a regional brand in Denver. And they don't really think Lower than that. So, what we did, what I did, was work with the team to both look at to see what we had on file, and then secondly, is to go and drive and travel to these campuses and just evaluate. And you know, I loved, um, I had the chance to drive one of our campuses. It was a fairly large campus, it had about 15 buildings on it, it had 27 major signs not talking about the small little directional sign, but like 27 signs Um, and i think on the signs i counted at least five different major logos just on this one campus alone so we assessed that but you know the assessment kind of went deeper which was really to kind of evaluate you know what not only what are our opinions the stakeholders about these identities and the system brand names but what did consumers at that point think about those same identities and, you know, the, the, the decision at that point when I first got there was we need to move to one or the other. And as we learned and assessed more, we, we discovered there were some significant issues with both of them. So the Sisters of Charity of Leavenworth was a very historic organization. I mean, they, they were founded in the 1850s and just a terrific story. But how it was being portrayed in the different regions varied quite a bit. And there wasn't a lot of passion for how it was being portrayed in, in terms of logos and how, what that identity looked like. Exempla had a more modern expression at the time, but when we looked at consumers and talked to them, what we discovered was that basically three out of four people didn't understand. They didn't know much about it and they didn't understand the word example. It was kind of one of these made up words and they really hadn't defined it well. So, you know, it was assessing both, the visual aspects, but they also digging into the data, digging in to understanding where they uh, where they sat as organizations, knowing that nowhere where they are number one or even a number two health system, which is, you know, which if you're number three or four in a marketplace, that's a, that's a challenge that needs to be discussed in, uh, at the boardroom level and, and talked about how do we change that? So I think the first step was assessing. Um, and then, you know, I think from there, it is having a good discussion. It's listening first, understanding the challenges that everybody's facing around the table. So you get a sense of what are we walking into? Where where does this sit on the level of priorities in terms of everybody around the table?
1: That that brings up an interesting point, one that Ryan and I were talking about earlier is what what begins that discussion? So brand, of course, is much bigger than it's much bigger than just signage. It's much bigger than colors and, and logos. You've been through multiple of these. So, what what is what is the reckoning that happens at the boardroom or at the leadership table that says, "All right, this is something that we're going to put months, if not years, into and eight, nine figures of investment into." You know what 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 do you find to be the impetus of a rebrand just at go?
2: At the system, so I'm going to kind of walk through. Starting at the system, what you're finding today is that there's a lot of um, IT systems and other tools that you're deploying in a system that really can't accommodate multiple identities. I, you know a big one is uh, the EMR. The EMR has to be designed around a kind of a, a core identity approach because it's really tough to manage many idea identities within an EMR easily. And you uh, and that's such an important component, but there's lots of other aspects to, how multiple identities make people's jobs harder and the scene at a system oftentimes in a system headquarters because they encounter it a lot because they're trying to deal with multiple hospitals etc. I think the bigger challenge is when you get down to that local hospital or that physician group typically the the leadership at those at that level they've got lots of problems coming in the front door right they've got staff that want raises, recruitment problems, uh, medical staff issues. They've got lots of things that are coming through the front door that they're trying to fix, solve, react to. One of the things that's not typically coming through that door is the brand identity. That's typically not coming through the door and saying, hey, we got a problem. But it's It's a problem nonetheless. So you've got to sit down and say, where is there a problem? And what are the problems with this brand identity that might exist? And in this case, you know, when you find that, you know, you've got an identity that consumers really don't understand what it means. You know, what does exempla mean? Um, And that's the big word that's on on a lot of stuff. Um, That's a disconnect because what you have to do is you have to spend a lot of time defining it before you get to the. Differentiating prospects and 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 whether that's whether that's in an ad, a thirty second ad on TV, or that's a doctor patient discussion in a waiting room where you got five minutes, you know, not understanding what the entity is and what it stands for is a challenge. We got to bring that forward and understand also that there are probably other issues they're facing that we can probably fix if we move towards a rebrand. So it's having a good discussion, understanding that awareness. And I I think, uh, Ryan, when we were talking earlier, we were talking around Lutheran Medical Center and this this big hospital we had in Denver. And it was a very classic situation around this, right? So, you know, I I, I love the heck out of the CEO that was there, really enjoyed working with him. But, you know, he was very frank, said, look, you know, it's not that branding isn't important to me. It's just, it's a lot lower on the priorities considering a lot of these other things I have to do. But one of the things that was a big challenge to him was wayfinding, you know, patients were constantly getting lost in his hospital and his campus and couldn't, couldn't fix that. And that was where we had the 27, you know, signs and all of them had all the space dedicated, to logos and, and, and about a third and, a, and then maybe two thirds to wayfinding. And so I said, you know, maybe we can fix this wayfinding problem you have got. Um, the other thing we talked about was this is the opportunity. So it, it may not be a problem, but brand is always an opportunity. And the opportunity here is to tell a story, to tell a story that is um, optimistic, that's, that's focused on the future, that matches with the vision of the organization. Oftentimes, they haven't done branding for a while, and they haven't really sat down and thought about it. They also likely haven't spent a lot of time sharing that positive, optimistic story that they, they can share about the future, about where are they going, and what is the role of the frontline care worker or the doctor in that, that journey. So it's an opportunity to, to, to get people focused forward and spend some time talking about something that's really important to the frontline employees. They want to know that vision. They want to know they work in a place that has a roadmap and a path forward that has aspiration to be something big because that's what they want to be. They want to be a part of something big. So being able to connect at that level and get beyond the, you know, the the issues and concerns of the moment and talk about this some of these bigger concepts, that's really what, We need to pivot towards when we, as the brand champions, as the evangelists, come into the office. It's not about that load, oftentimes, it's about that story that we can tell.
0: Well, and that's so interesting, John, because I think part of the issue with branding is there's so many barriers. What's crystallized for me in listening to you is all of the different barriers, all the landmines that are in place. And on the other side of that is a very simple story that's unifying, that that says who we are. But you've got barriers in front of that, including, you know, in your situation in Denver, that was the system office, which really wasn't a hospital at all. And so you're seen as this corporate entity. Then you've got hospitals nearby, but you had hospitals in Montana and California, and you had a legacy in Kansas. And I think a lot of listeners and viewers will really empathize with that idea that that we've got this brand, and I love what you said about made up words, healthcare is like the home of made up words, and you've got this brand that is scattered about, we've got all these regional differences, cultural differences, even if you're a standalone hospital, you know that there's layers of differences that might correspond with the floor of the business park building. And so you've got all these channels to navigate to try to get to that simple story. Um, What are some of the things that were effective for you in doing that? I know you had some of the skills and you developed some of the skills, but I think of, for example, specific hospital CEOs who you've already touched on, they can be a real barrier because people think, well, gosh, I'm a marketer. Um, How am I going to get through this particular barrier? This is a CEO who's probably died in the wool and doesn't want to change. Talk to us a little bit about as you went through those channels and kind of ran that gauntlet to get to that one story.
2: I have a lot of respect for someone who's a CEO of a hospital. That's a tough, tough job. It really is. I don't think that they're resistant to change. I really don't but I think that they're managing multiple changes that are going on at the same time. And how much change can they and do they want to take on is always a question at the table. Um, because they've got, you know, they've got to do lots of different things, whether you're talking about quality improvement initiatives with, with doctors or just, you know, they've, they've got a lot of tough nuts to crack. And what they don't want is they don't want another one plopped on their table. That's what they don't want. They want another problem brought there. What they do want is they want, I think, to have a partner that can work with them and go forward into into addressing some of these problems. So the story, and I'm, I'm focused right now on the boardroom because I think the story has to vary depending upon your audience. And you've got the boardroom story, but you also have the break room story and the living room story, which are different. We can talk about that in a minute, but in the boardroom, You know, it really is, it's not about a lots of charts and graphs and we, we get trapped ourselves into, you know, what do the charts and graphs say, but it's about coming out with some of those key points. So one of them was saying, you know, for right now, when it comes to awareness and preference in our main market, our brand is number four out of four brands that exist in the market. And that is something that has to change. And I think there's, there's, there was general recognition and alignment around that 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 is a a kind of a talking point around something that has to change. I think there's a lot of dedication and passion to things that are being built. I think that dedication and passion gets in in a discussion, discussion, oftentimes gets pushed and focused on the logo, right? So whether you're talking about a hospital CEO or a doctor who's got a busy practice, or even like a a director of an ER that's running a, a good ER, You know, they've they've got a lot of passion about what they're building, but they transition that passion to the logo. And I, you know, to me, it's important for us to separate some things here. The logo that hangs over the door is important in some aspects. I'm not saying it's not important, but it's not the brand. And it does, it's not about what's happening inside that door, the care that's being delivered. And that is the brand. And that's what we've got to get to is how do we tell that story? But that story at that ER, at that hospital is consistent, in align with the same story as the doctor practice across town or the rural hospital up north etc and if we can tell a story that's common across them that resonates with the public now we start seeing people wanting to engage with our brand and that's where you know oftentimes we're looking for the in the data the things where there's disconnects where there where things aren't resonating where the brand isn't helping because the brand can do one of three things it can either be uh, helping it's neutral, isn't doing anything for you, or it's a drag on you. Is You know, people, and we all have a little bit of each of those flavors. So we got to figure out what it is in the data that's driving and, and where does this brand sit relative to all the challenges the person across the table is facing. And then what does it look like when that brand is helping you? That's the other thing. I think, you know, a big moment of my career is when we were up at Sparrow up in, uh, in Michigan. We had... Uh, gone, and um, we had rebranded on the logo, but we began also telling a story. It wasn't a first starting point. We, we when we got there, everybody hated the logo. It was like change that logo as fast as possible. Very different situation than what I encountered in Denver, but we knew we needed to pivot to a better story. We began telling a story in a consistent way in the public, and we, we began to see that resonate. And over time, when you start seeing the brand um, preference rising on a consistent basis in the data. Um, we then started seeing market share rising in a consistent basis in the data. You start realizing brand really can be the win in the sales um, when, when things are clicking. And so that's what we wanna to try to get to. And why are things not clicking where you're at? And that's what we needed to assess. Why are things not really clicking? And so, you know, when we looked at, you know, what the people, they didn't understand the name like Exempla, they didn't understand the connection. You know, also, uh, there was lots of mix in the data around, you know, that they didn't really perceive a difference in this hospital from other hospitals that were around it. So, how do we start bringing that differentiation to the table? And we started to see some traction, not When we deployed the brand i mean you can deploy the brand and there's a big project we talk a lot about signs because you know signs are one of my favorite topics if you ever want to do a podcast on signs i'm there i'm your guy but in this case it was when we started telling the story and telling the story in good simple language that everybody can get and our living room story was focused on this concept of people healing people taking the patient the word patient out of the context taking the word doctor out of the context And really talking about in your community, we're about people healing people. And that was really where um, I think we got, we saw a lot of traction. We did that for about three, four years. We told 37 patient stories under that umbrella and we started to see traction.
1: Yeah, that's great. I think what you said about brand, it can either hurt, help or do nothing Mm -hmm. for you. Uh, We could probably come up with three brands that fit each category, just (laughs) in no time at all, that actually be kind of a fun, fun game to try. (laughs) But I think when, you know, you mentioned this a couple of times, looking at certain data elements that are, that are sort of, you use maybe pre or in brand design to make the case, to influence your decision. Uh, certainly you mentioned awareness, preference, even market share as sort of these, these markers, these indicators of, of, you know, either failure or success. I'm, i curious to know number one, what else you look at in terms of data elements, uh, that, that you would look at to build that case for a rebrand or to do something differently or to tell a different story. And then number two, when you have done the work, when, when you've created the new brand, does it challenge you, uh, does it challenge leadership to think about a new definition or a new metric of success, uh, that you maybe might want to add to the recipe?
2: Yeah, great question. You know, I think um, I've always been lucky at, at the roles I've been at to have access to uh, and, and I've always made sure I had access to NRC Health to the uh, market insight uh, data. And I think there's a lot of great data. And I think that's a starting point um, is understanding, you know, awareness and, and obviously the brand preference and the and service line preference, but also digging in, I think, to some of the brand arc metrics. You know, I love the personality question and, and understanding Digging into that almost at a facility level too, because that can vary a lot based off the market. If you see a facility where you have high, kind of high negatives or people compared to love-hate relationship or an enslaved relationship, um, you know you've got some issues there. You do not know what they are, but you know you've got some issues there. So that's, that's one thing. Um, also looking at employee engagement data, every facility is doing employment engagement, employee engagement. And I think there's often a lot of good information in there Um, especially sometimes in the comments around how people are perceiving that local hospital or the, or the, the system brand as well. It's really important to go out and talk to consumers as good as the data is that you might have access to. Is to go out and talk to consumers and focus groups and listen to them and I, I, I alluded to this earlier but that's where we learned in a focus group that people didn't understand what this word exemplar was I, you know and, and most of not a lot of had not heard of it but even those that had heard of it um, who were even patients there they didn't understand what it was and what it meant um, which was an important learning that we went out and measured in a broader sense and, and realized that that was an issue. so I think I always encourage people, you've got to get out, get to that, get into either that focus room or with NRC Health, get online to, uh, in a custom research study, and just see those comments uh, come across to understand what's going through the mind of the, the average consumer when they, when they look at this. So I think when you're assessing, that's important. I, I would say though, um, it's really, Hard not to do this. You, you want to bring all of these charts and data, like, oh that's good and that's good and you, you start compiling before you know you've got any you know, 25 or 40 slides of charts and graphs. The problem is, is that's that you've, you've, you've got to use the data internally in each of these rooms in the board room and in the break room in particular to tell a story and that's what you're looking for. I'm looking for those nuggets which is you know we're number four in the marketplace overall in terms of, of preference and is that where we want to be. Or, you know, one in, one in four people, or only one in four really understand what your brand even means. Three in four don't understand it and are really paying no attention to it. So these are kind of, you, you look for those nuggets. But longer term, having that, what I like about also NRC Health Market Insights is having that continuous data over time. So you're tracking those metrics, however you cut it, quarterly, annually, monthly, um, whatever makes the most sense in terms of the end that's being collected and, and the markets that you're looking at. Um, is really important. You asked a question about some thoughts around what else we can look at in data. And, you know, one of the things, a couple of things I'm I'm toying with right now, one is when we look at Google, there's a ton of data at Google and Google Analytics, Google My Business, and and some of the metrics that, that search brings to the table. One of the things I think is really important that we've got to maybe look at is how often in search is branded search an option? How often are people looking for your brand when they're going to search versus a doctor near me or a hospital near me or something like that? Um, I think that's important. I don't quite know what that's gonna tell us in the future but I think that's a great gauge of consumer sentiment that we can have access to. Um, The other thing is, is really as we progress, as technology progresses, We need to have this ability to engage all of our patients in timely, relevant, personalized messages. And the question becomes when you have that capability, a CRM capability where you can send messages to consumers on a regular basis, is some of these metrics around how often they're opening and clicking through if you're sharing stories, things like that. I think that that brings a lot of insight. Um, And that's also the same thing goes for employees. How often are they wanting to engage with the content that you're offering them?
0: Well, and I love that, John, because you're very fluent in the data. And you can talk about preference and loyalty and differentiation and all those sort of things. I think a lot of marketers are getting very comfortable doing that. But what was so interesting is when you came into the situation in Denver, for example, uh, you didn't have that data right away. You had access to snapshots of data. And sometimes other marketers will come into a situation where it was very expensive to do a point-in-time study. um, And they don't really have the capabilities to go out and do the data right away. Whereas you were able to rest on some of the continuous data To tell a continuous story to you and you really mind that for the insights that you needed to work with stakeholders i think we'd be the first to agree just getting in front of people and showing them all the data in the world even if it's from nrc health and we'd love that you do that but that alone is not going to get people especially certain types of stakeholders which i'll come to here in a minute it doesn't get them to where they need to to feel that that's exactly what they have to do, right? It's the chart is never an aha moment of, well, then we've gotta do this strategy. I think that's never more true than with physicians. And I'm, I'm thinking of people that wouldn't suffer through 40 slides or 25 slides or even 10 slides sometimes from a marketer. You obviously in your different stops have come across that where you're representing the brand, you have the data, but now you're in front of people who use a whole different set of data in their day-to-day lives, and that is the doctor. Talk to us about that situation and maybe the king of all barriers for some healthcare marketers of getting the doctor on board with what you want to do.
2: Yeah, you know, doctors, again, doctors are so bright. They're they're very smart people. They also have a different view of data. So, you know, you know they, they live in a world of clinical trials, of double-blinded tests, of, you know, so for them, getting into the data is is always a bit of a challenge um, because they they bring a lot of smart perceptions to the table. Not more than a few of them do think that they're also experts at marketing. So you always have to have that <laughs> issue that you're trying to overcome when you're sitting across the table for them. But I think with a with the doctor, I actually oftentimes don't bring a lot of charts and slides. I mean, it's just it's it's you can and they will listen patiently. Um, but they they you know the data. They're they always going to be skeptical of, of this data. So to me, the question is: is what what are what is our story that we're trying to tell? Why are we trying to do this branding? What what is the important outcomes we want to achieve when it comes to a new brand, you know, rebranding or or resetting of the brand? How we phrase it in in various systems? And I, I I think for them it it comes down to just a couple of oftentimes things. One is that Brands. First of all, brand. When we, when we're in a room with a doctor, we're talking about brand, and they often think it's about logo. And we try to tell them it's not about logo, but it is about logo. I often, like to back out of it and say, first of all, let's set the table in terms of context here. When you're sitting in a room with a lawyer and you're looking at a contract, you don't spend a lot of time talking about the signature block, right? You're spending a lot of time talking about what's in the contract. The logo oftentimes is the signature block in whatever we're trying to say, whether we're, we're sharing information with a patient or we're talking to consumers in a broad way in terms of, a, of an ad um, or a mass letter that's going out to our patients, et cetera. You know, we need to talk about what we wanna say. What's the story we wanna tell at the top? That's far more important oftentimes than the signature at the bottom. That said, we don't wanna have a lots of different signatures. We don't have a, wanna have a lots of different vessels because we're spending money to bring meaning to these vessels. So that's all a a brand identity is. is at, At first, when you roll it out, it's a bit of an empty vessel that you then over time are gonna invest to fill with positive messages and perceptions. If I have two, three, four different ones, then I have to divide my funds or quadruple the amount of money I'm spending to try to fill all of those with meaning. And I think over time, that is where we get ourselves into trouble. What we want to do is make sure that when we're talking about the great things we're doing at the hospital or um, as a system, that's also the same great things we're doing at that practice for that doctor, for those patients. And how do we make sure that that meaning affects all of them so that when, when they're talking to a patient, what we've hopefully done is provided a positive perception of where we're going in terms of quality overall, where we're going in terms of vision and the story of optimism that we're telling. So they don't have to spend time doing that in that five minutes that they have with that patient and they can get about taking care of that patient and getting them to the next stage of their care plan. So I think that's where we try to bring them along is really kind of back out of this and and, and really just apply some basic common sense logic to the situation at hand.
0: Well, and I love how you say that because if physicians or or frankly C-suite members think of it as just the signature block, just the logo, they're not paying attention to anything else, it's going to slide to the bottom of that priority list that you've already alluded to. Whereas when it's the story, when it's sort of the fabric of our being as an organization, I think even the most hardened physician would say that's at the top of the list. Many of them successfully built their own brands and their own practices before they were employed by a system and I certainly think the C-suite understands the story that needs to be told. So when you're up against metrics like quality and safety which are immovable barriers, right? We're always gonna be talking about that at the board level. Um, Tell us a little bit more about how you get from logo up to story and maybe some other techniques or situations in which you've been successful in moving brands to a higher priority than maybe it would be originally slotted. Well,
2: yeah, every every situation is different. Every every you know every facility has a different set of unique things going on there. And so, first of all, when, going back to the beginning, when you assess the situation, it is really important to get on the ground out to each of these locations because um, you know in my, when I was at SCL Health. What is important and what is relevant in Miles City, Montana, which is where we had a critical access hospital, is very different than what was relevant in downtown Denver. And, you know, so I think, you know, whether it's a metropolitan area, a rural area, a suburban area, uh, the facilities have unique needs. And so we've got to sit down and understand what those needs are. And then I think we've, what we can say is how do we, how do we help address more than just telling a brand story? What, what are the issues in this community versus this community? And what's important to that CEO or that doctor at that, you know, at that point in time, what's most important to them? Um, and within that context then, there's always gonna be alignment that we can, we can vary our rollout at this location or in this region to accommodate certain things that are really important to that local leadership. A couple of examples. So when we were up in Montana, we had you know, three different care sites and it was really important for them to begin unifying across, just across Montana because they hadn't done that historically. You know How do we, how to present a united front um, within the state, within the regions. Um, so we were like, okay, we can do that. Let's do that in the context of the brand messaging that we're rolling out and make sure we have a subset set of ad assets and, and marketing material that help us get to that point. Or you know, similar to the big hospital that had you know 15 buildings and had a big wayfinding issue. We sat down, we brought in wayfinding expert. It wasn't a brand expert, wayfinding expert and saying, what can we do? And we drove the campus together. And they had a, a series of recommendations that we then rolled out as a part of our, our, our signage package with there. And what we did is we took the logo off a lot of the signs and we maximized space for wayfinding. And we changed how we did wayfinding when we rolled out the, the signs so that we had a good chance that patients would get there. And in particular, like getting to the ER, because we missed the first turn, you went to the second turn, you didn't have a chance to turn back to the ER and you had to loop around the block for like uh, you know, uh, uh, like a mile or something like that. So we said, okay, that's a real problem. We got to fix that problem when we do this. We got to do the best we can to fix that problem. So it is sitting down and understanding where people are at and what, what are the challenges they're facing. And it's gotta be more, like we said, it's, it's the just like brand story is much more than about a logo. Deploying the brand is much more than just putting up a bunch of signs. It is how do we get traction to fix some pretty big problems that they might have in each of these hospitals or regions.
1: John, let's actually talk a little bit about telling that story. So clearly you have stakeholders all over the place from senior most leadership, uh, of course, through staff and associates and, and caregivers and, and ultimately the customer, right? The, the patient family. Uh, they're gonna hear things in different ways. Uh, things are gonna resonate in different ways. The, the time to take is gonna be a little bit different. So tell, tell us in your experience what you've seen to be successful in terms of being considerate to those different stakeholders and making sure that your message is gonna resonate as, as well as possible.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a secret trick. I, I, I keep looking for it, but here's some some thoughts around that. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of people who spend, I mean, a lot of us spend a lot of time trying to figure this out. One of the first things is, is that, you know, you've got the boardroom, you've got the break room, and you've got the living room. And the boardroom, there's a set of messages that are important, and that's about how do we move from number four to number one, or how do we, you know, um, how do we improve overall perception and awareness, that's going to be important within that boardroom. But when you're sitting in front of a nurse in the break room, those things really are not important at all. That's, that's not a part of her or his day is they're caring for patients on a floor for them. I think oftentimes we get down to pride. You know, they love oftentimes where they work or why they chose to work or why they chose to work with the organization, or even going back to why they chose to go into nursing or, you know, whatever, um, you know, pharmacy, whatever care, Area that they're working in? Why did they go into that in the first place? And the story that we can tell there is how we're connecting back to roots, connecting back in very simple terms to what we're all about. You know, a lot of health systems love to get esoteric with their brand messages. I, I often think that that's a bit of a disservice, particularly in the break room because, you know, What we got to be about there is really about caring for patients and putting the patient first. And we talk about that, talk a great game and and oftentimes, but I think if our messaging really starts there too and stays pretty basic, I think within the break room, we will be successful because they don't, they don't really understand, want to understand all the corporate strategy. They just want to know Am I part of a good place to work? Am I part of a good story? And, and is the story that we're telling to the consumer inclusive of what they're doing at the bedside? That's that's another critical ingredient. To the consumer, I think it's I'm again, uh, it's about common words, basic words, and really it's it's connecting with them in a meaningful way. It's really hard to do that in in marketing in today's day and age, you know, with digital and and all these devices and all these screens, you know, it's, 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 it's tough to do that. And I think it's really contingent on health systems today to figure out and build channels by which they can communicate with their patients on a as needed basis. I think that's a big gap, in a lot of health systems, you know, we can't just send an email to, you know, 1 million patients that have seen us over the last couple of years. It's just, that's actually a hard thing to do for a lot of health systems. And so how do we, how do, we do that? In the context of whether CRM or other systems, and how do we build that capability so that we're delivering timely, relevant messages, but simple messages? I think we we were strong with people healing people, which was a, a great simple message, and it just told simple stories. And we were able to tell stories for each region, bring patients and caregivers together within each region, and tell stories common to what they were, the challenges that were unique or weren't unique, were shared within a region, but unique to that region. So um, I think that's what we have to kind of focus on is how do we, when we're telling that story in each of those places, what's going to resonate? And I think consumers, the hardest part because of the fragmentation of our market and of of all the media and how do we connect with them. But when we do connect with them, got to be relevant. We got to be Um, We gotta be simple in our language. We can't be esoteric. We've gotta really tell a a pretty consistent story over time too.
0: Well, and John, I love how you say that and you, you connected it back to the consumer beautifully, but I think it also highlights an issue that happens sometimes in these massive branding projects that you often find yourself in wherever you go. But you've got the consumer on the outside. And ultimately, they are the recipient of the brand. They're the ones who are going to determine its success or failure. It's really what it's all for. And sometimes they don't have a seat at the table. I really love how you applied these sort of uh, from the boardroom to the break room to the living room. And I think of that as not only employees in their living room talking about their day and really talking about the brand, but also the living room of our patients, past patients, future patients, it feels like you more built it from the ground floor up from the living room up to the break room up to the boardroom Whereas we see so many times in rebrands, it really starts in the boardroom and they sign off in the board and everyone says, okay, we're doing this rebrand, it's done, you know, as if uh, as if there's been a magic wand uh, that's made sure it's happened. And we know fully that employees can get in the way of that. In fact, they can sabotage a brand and make that rebrand very unsuccessful. So what else would you say to a marketer who finds themselves in the position that, hey, the boardroom signed off, everybody's good there, But the break room, the living room, the consumer at the end of that, uh, they're not necessarily on board yet.
2: Well, yeah. And it's, it's always going to be questions to when are they on board and how do you know they're on board? But, um, you know, I always say you've got to start when you, when you think about consumers, when you think about patients, you've got to start in a room filled with consumers and patients. And, and it's not about showing them ads and having them react, because honestly, they don't really understand what works and doesn't work with an advertising. But They can tell you what they like and don't like about an organization, what they know and they don't know. And I think that that's always a common starting point. You've got to start there when you're thinking around how are you gonna connect with this audience? You gotta understand what are the challenges? What's going on in their lives? What do they know and what do they not know? And what's believable to them? That's another piece. We, you know, um, always the ad that's gonna win in the boardroom is that we're number one message, right? Um, but is that believable to the public?
1: <laughs> no, not in healthcare. None, no,
2: no data necessary for that. <laughs> but, you know, I think for them is, is how do you, how do you give them something that they look at and they say, it connects to the heart, you know, and that's where uh consumer is different than the boardroom. The boardroom is all about what's, what's in the mind, what's in the head, what, what are those connections you make up there? And the, for the consumers, but how do you connect with them from the heart? How do you share with them a bit of that passion, a bit of that, you know, reason why we exist as, as in the first place, in terms of, you know, helping people overcome problems and saving lives. I think if we can get to that point and really have that resonate over time, I think that's where we've got to be. But you don't get there until you know what's going to connect with them and, and, and what, what's going on in their lives with consumers. It's, it's, and it's, that's the toughest part of our job.
0: Well, and I think it's so interesting how, you, how you've how you been able to take a breath. Really, that's what I hear is that whether you come into a new situation or you've been in one for a while, taking stock in the brand, you know, doing a brand inventory, you know, inventory is a word you might hear from the CFO. Um, and yet from your marketing position, you've been able to say, no, we have brand assets. And I want to take inventory of that and take a moment to understand what I have before I jump into the next advertising campaign or social media campaign. And some marketers, I think, get so caught up in that that for years, they don't stop and look around and say, well, well, where is the brand? What, what's the status of the brand, and what's the health of it? And you've done such a great job in taking inventory and then using data to reinforce your point, but also listening to people and, and crafting a story at every level. Uh, as we close, I'm just curious to know, as you reflect back, uh, what would you say in your reflection? What would you say to a healthcare marketer, whether they've been in the role for a while, or they've or they've been or they're brand new in the position? Um, and this could also be for another C-suite leader who's very interested in branding. What would you say to them that you would want them to do? What's something you've done and you would tell everyone to do? What's something you do differently? As as you reflect back on your own journey, what would you say to those brand-minded folks in healthcare who want to be better?
2: Let me pause and think about that for a second. Great
0: question. (laughs) You're using your own techniques. That's a good thing. (laughs) I would. And I would say, first of all, don't assume. I mean, I think
2: we, I think we all want to take that shortcut. We can assume that there's certain things that are common. I think don't assume anything at particular as it relates to the consumer, go out, listen and engage first um, and hear them. I would say the same thing probably too for employees and stakeholders, you know, it is, it is great to get that perspective and take copious notes when you're listening, you know, so that you understand and bring that perspective home with you and can reflect on it. Because as much as I've been in this business and I've talked and sat in focus groups and listened to consumers and talked to consumers myself, I always learn something every time you do. So, uh, and, and there's no predicting the consumer that what, what they do, what they perceive, what they think is, is always going to be unique. There's always uniqueness to us. So understanding that, but I also say that I love brand and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm as you can tell I'm jazzed by it. And anytime I get a chance to talk about branding, I I I love talking about branding because it's it's really in my core and and it's one of my core passions. I I read about it. But you know what? Um, for most CEOs and COOs and CNOs that I sit across the table from, it's it's the oftentimes it's the one problem that's not coming through their door, right? I've got you know, we've got problems with staffing, problems with doctor, problem with quality, problems with, you go on and on and on, all these issues around, you know, the, the facilities falling apart, but you know, you name it, there's issues that are coming through the door. They, they tend to think that if it's not broke, don't fix it. And, it. and the only way they, and because it's not coming through the door, they don't think it's broken. So that's where, that's another challenge, is you gotta have that story and be prepared to connect with them around what are the challenges? How do you bring that to light? Um, and then secondly, what does fixing that challenge do to help them with some of these other challenges they're facing? You know, if you have a good brand, the idea that recruits are going to actually be seeking you out or doctors are going to be seeking you out to work there or researchers coming to, through your front door or other facilities coming to ask you to be a part of what they're, you know, that, or they want to be a part of you. This is. This is where um, if we have a good brand strategy over time, you start seeing those changes in brand. And that's where I think bringing that opportunity to the table. It's not a problem. Oftentimes it's an opportunity is really important. So I, I would start there. I would say, you know, don't assume that you know what the consumer is thinking and, and go out and listen and assess and learn. And secondly, you know, understand when you're sitting down across the table from a busy executive. Uh, probably brand is not the thing that's coming in that they're thinking is a problem. And, and that's okay, but you've got to get to that common ground. You've got to figure out how do you get to that common ground with them. And, and as a result of being able to do this, you can help them in several other ways. It's a big opportunity.
0: Well, I think uh, Brian and I would agree that uh, if we think we have the consumer completely figured out, that is the moment where we're absolutely wrong.
1: Sometimes people do things that are beyond explanation. Like, for example, (laughs) off camera, uh, John was telling us that he brought his snow shovel from Colorado to Florida, and just further further proving that old habits die hard. And and he's used to a different set of challenges (laughs) to figure out why we do what we do.
0: And I have this great snow shovel. If anybody needs one, just just let me know. (laughs) <laughs> Find him in Central Florida. No, this has been wonderful, John. I think you've done such a good job of, of changing the view of branding. It really is a resource, and it's ultimately powered by the affinity that consumers have for that brand. They're the owners of it. It's, it should be built around them. And if you've got consumers that have an affinity for your brand, doesn't matter where you are, and you've been a few places, uh, that's a powerful resource that you as the marketer can leverage um, and you can use in those negotiations uh, that you sometimes have with other C-suite members to realize that uh, that unified brand and get to the story. Um, we appreciate so much your time with us today on Patient No Longer. Uh, we'll love to have you back. We've already got you penciled in on the signage episode down the road a little bit. Um, so this is hopefully not the last we're hearing of you.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me, Ryan. Brian, I've really appreciated the time. I love talking about this stuff, but I'm excited to hear about your other guests because You know, um, there's a lot of smart people working in the healthcare industry as uh, heads of marketing and communications departments. Uh, I always love hearing what they have to say and I always learn something new. So I'm looking forward to hearing the episodes come out.
0: Wonderful. We're looking forward to it as well. All right. Thank you, John. Have a good day. Take care.